Welcome to the Live Wire, a podcast by the Downey Patriot and sponsored by Labrie. Today, we're joined again by Alex Dominguez, a journalist and staff writer for the Downey Patriot. And I guess I should also introduce myself. My name is Eric Pierce. I'm editor of the Downey Patriot newspaper. Alex is a boots on the ground reporter, meaning he's at the city council meeting. He's at the uh, planning commission meetings. He's basically everywhere in Downey. He's talking to city officials. Uh, he has a real sense of what's happening in Downey, and there's a lot happening in Downey right now. Oh, Alex, yes, there is. <laughs> yes, there is. Alex, thank you for being here. Uh, thanks for having me back, which is really funny to say, considering I see you every day at the office. I know, I know. So, Alex, there's a lot of news happening in Downey right now, and we're not going to be able to get to everything, uh, but we're going to cover today as much as we can. Uh, last week, there was a city council meeting. And one controversial issue was Stay Gallery yeah. uh, making a funding request. What's going on with Stay Gallery? So for those of our listeners who are not familiar with the situation, uh, Stay Gallery, which you can find out on uh, Downey Avenue and part of downtown, uh, the city basically pays for their rent is what it boils down to. I mean, I could get into a lot of the technical mumbo jumbo, but uh, what it breaks down to is the city pays rent for Stay Gallery. In return, Stay Gallery uh, provides community-centered programming, um, and they this agreement has been going on for years, uh, since 2012, I, I believe, and this is basically just an, an extension of that agreement. Uh, it's $28,000. Uh, this covers, uh, this time it covers not only the lease, but operational costs. And it means that the Stay Gallery can stay open through July. Um, again, uh, you know, it's operated this way since 2012 with the, the city uh, paying for the lease. And uh, it's covered through the Arts and Public face, uh, Places funding. So uh, a lot of people you know, may not understand that when the city pays for things or allots money for things, there are different funds that they can draw from. This comes from the uh, Arts and uh, public uh the arts and public places funding so when people say oh you know it, 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 we should the city should be spending this money to fix the roads or on the schools or whatever they can't they can't it has to be used on some sort of arts components yeah, absolutely got it you know it'll be interesting to see uh well state gallery is celebrating its 10-year anniversary mm-hmm. uh this year, but I, I don't know what the long-term play is as far as the gallery and the city of Downey. Have you have you heard anything about that? I mean, what's going to happen after July? Do you know? I don't know. Um, and in fact, uh, I overheard something at the meeting. Uh, Gabe, who is uh, who, who uh, over at the executive runs, director, yeah, the executive director uh, at the gallery. He kind of made this comment under his breath, and I, I hate to kind of put him on the spot, but he, you know, he said, "Oh, so we're still open at least through July." Um, you know, so we'll have to see. And you know, to to your point of earlier about this kind of being a controversial thing, this always seems to be a sticking point. Um, it always seems to be you know people either love it or you either absolutely love it or you absolutely hate it, and. Right. Um, so I, I really don't know. I know that there were some issues through the pandemic uh, with Stay Gallery, which I mean, absolutely everybody had issues through the pandemic. Uh, so I, I personally don't know much about any plans, you know, past July. I just know that right now 
State Gallery is kind of giving this sigh of relief of, okay, at least we've got through July. Right. Interesting. Okay. Uh, something else that happened at the city council meeting is the Pride Festival is, is returning. Yes. And it's going to be bigger this year. It's going to be bigger in a couple of different ways. Uh, it's going to be two days this, uh, this year, August 12th and 13th. The first day is going to be in the downtown uh, district area, district of Downey. That's still trying to stick with me. Um, but it's going to be in the downtown area. It's going to be more adult-oriented. And this is the first day. I, um, now, when you say adult-oriented, do you mean because it's going to be more beer things, garden, you know, it's, alcoholic Yeah, a, a big old party, basically. Sure. Uh, at least that's the vibe I got off of it. Mm -hmm. And then the second day is going to be what uh, we had last year, which was the first ever Pride family picnic. So, um, you know, arts and crafts, vendors food. Uh, I think there was a, a, a petting zoo, <laughs> you know, a big sure. stage with entertainment. Uh, what's interesting is uh, they're saying it's going to have a bigger footprint in the park. I, th I still think it's going to be at Furman. Um, uh, probably the one thing I missed in my notes here, but uh, I, I do believe it's still going to be at Furman. It's going to have a bigger footprint, uh, the Pride Family Picnic at least. Uh, and the event itself is much in the same vein as last year. It's being... Uh, uh, organized by L.A. Cotta. Um, it's got tremendous support from Supervisor Janice Hahn. The big change, and I think this is what you were getting at, is uh, the city is actually allocating $25,000 from their uh, general fund reserves. Okay. And that's going to go towards the, uh, towards the festival, which is actually a shift from last year. Last year, they said, "Okay, you know, we're gonna uh, we're gonna have this festival where we're gonna donate the space." I think they waived fees. Mm -hmm. uh, I think they provide no. Sorry, they didn't provide the stage. I don't believe. Um, I think that was Janice Hahn. LA County did. Yeah, but uh, Downey basically said, "Like, we'll give you the space. We're gonna waive the fees, but you've got to fund it on your own." Mm -hmm. So the fact that they're giving twenty five thousand dollars is a huge. Uh, it's it's a. I don't know if you would consider it an about face, but it's, uh, I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of people out there who are going to say this is a really positive move forward for the city. It's definitely progressive, and it's something that would have been unheard of in Downey, you know, 10, 15 years ago. Yes. Uh, you know, the change happens, evolution happens. Uh, so there, there, there's mixed reaction to it, of course, for, for different reasons, uh, but it's happening. Mm -hmm. uh, what are the, the, the dates again? Uh, August 12th and 13th. I mean, yeah, August 12th and 13th. Perfect. Uh, City Council also decided that they are going to uh, appoint somebody to Sean Ashton's vacancy. Well, they're going to try. They're going to try. They're going to try. How did that go down? Um, not as smoothly as you would think. Uh -huh. uh, the final vote to go ahead and open it up for applications was uh, three to one. And the one person in opposition was actually Mayor Pacheco. And the reasons she gave were uh, that the representation should be decided by the residents of District 2, that she didn't feel, she, she really casted doubts that she thought that the, the council in its current state would be able to find somebody and agree on somebody, pretty much. Um, which, I mean, if we have time, we can, later we can get into 
unpacking that. Yeah. But uh, what it basically boils down to is uh, now the city has a finite time. They have until May 13th, which is 60 days after Sean Ashton's official resignation, which was on the uh, March 14th. Mm-hmm. Um, they have until then to fill the spot. If they don't do it, then it just remains vacant until uh, the the new person comes in, you know, in after November's election. Um, we already know of two people who have shown interest, that being Mario Guerra, former mayor Mario Guerra, and uh, somebody uh, who is actually running to uh, in November, uh, Hector Souza. Uh-huh. And uh, they're, you know, we don't. I haven't heard. I don't know about you. I haven't heard about anybody else who might be throwing their name in the hat. I've heard a couple of names, but you know, eventually, everybody who applies, their names are going to become public record, mm-hmm. and we'll get a better idea. But and, I think you're right. We're going to get a couple more, and they're they're going to be subject to a pretty rigorous. Well, maybe not as rigorous for them as it will be for the council because. The council is going to have to take these applications and they're going to have to interview these people. Um, it was said that there's really no lawful specific like, oh, you have to do this by the book this way. But um, what's expected to happen is that the, um, the city will open up applications and people will submit their you know their resumes, applications, whatever that case is, whatever documentation they need. And then they're going to have to go through a uh, an interview process and that interview process is going to be in either a normal or a special called meeting it's going to be down out in the public uh nothing be you know behind closed doors nothing closed session so it's gonna uh, to um uh Wonka's points mayor pacheco's points it's it's it has the potential to uh open up the council chambers to more I don't know. It's, it's going to be a circus. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it absolutely is because, you know, there's a segment of the population that just, you know, will protest and be anti government and just is going to make things very difficult for the, for the process and for people who are applying. But that's, that's the way government is right now, you know. so Especially in Downey. Especially in, in Downey. Uh, but it's going to be interesting. And so this process isn't going to play out very long because they have to appoint somebody if they choose somebody it's basically now or never they're they're looking for a ringer is essentially um and there are i mean there are certain ways that they could go um that have pros and cons to everything you know uh, you could put in somebody like a uh like a mario guerra who has the experience, uh, has the resume behind him, had, you know, has, uh, was part of the last transition. Um, but, uh, at the same time won't be eligible to run in the next, uh, in the next election because he's already served two terms. Um, you could put in somebody like a Hector Souza who's already running, already look, eyeing the seat for, you know, the, for the foreseeable future. But then you have questions of, well, you know, that usually in the in that first year or two of being on council, you you're kind of learning, you're feeling it out. So and we have a lot of big decisions coming up. But, you know, it, it, there's a lot of pros and cons the, the way it could go. Um, w- you're right. We're going to have to see how it how it all plays out. Yeah. And I have a feeling we'll do another episode where we dissect the applicants and kind of go from there because there's so many variables and like you said, pros and cons. Uh, 
Moving on, uh, Captain Alvarez, District 3 Council Member, was served recall papers again. Again. You were there when she was recalled. What happened? Uh, honestly, it was rather kind of awkward. Uh, so there, you know, there's all these little presentations that happen before the meat and potatoes of the meeting. And uh, a couple of people who are attached to the recall went up um, right after all those uh, those presentations happened and just announced, you know, Catherine, you've been served and hand her, tried to hand her the envelope. And Catherine just blew right past them, didn't, uh-huh. didn't acknowledge them, uh, didn't take the, the envelope. And then uh, it's, uh, in, in fact, I think I got a picture of that. It, it ran in last week's paper. Uh, but then after all that, there was some uh, confusion with uh, a few of the normal, you know, usual suspects, the gadflies that that cause ruckus in the meetings, and the room had to be cleared. Okay. And from what I understand, that's when they actually handed her the the envelope. So um, it, it it's hard not to to kind of laugh. I mean, it's not funny, but. I can't think of anybody else who has faced a recall, essentially gotten a promotion to mayor pro tem, and then have faced a recall immediately after. It's it's really an interesting. That's part of the whole craziness of what's happening in Downey. It's until this year, it's it was unheard of for a Downey council member to face a recall, and now Downey's mayor pro tem. Uh, is facing a second attempt, and it's just part of the craziness. I think that was part of the surprise when Catherine Alvarez was elevated to mayor pro tem because it's no secret that she's the the subject of of a recall. Uh, So now that she's been served, the clock starts now, right, to gather signatures. Yeah, it's it's the same thing that we uh, just saw, uh, what, a month or two ago? Mm -hmm. Um, it's going to be the exact same process. And what's interesting is, uh, you know, the, the first recall attempt didn't fall short by much. 35 votes. Um, signatures. I'm sorry, signatures. Uh, the 35 signatures they, they felt short by. And, I mean, out of 3,000, I, I think I said that, I said this last time you had me on the podcast, I don't care who you're recalling. If you come 35 uh, signatures short, I'd go for it again. I mean, it's it's close enough, um, I, and I don't care who you're talking about. Um, They're definitely motivated. They and, think that yeah. they can go back, they have a plan of action. And that's the other thing, too, is that first, I don't know, month or two of uh, of the recall, the first recall attempt, they were definitely disorganized a bit. There, there wasn't a whole lot of understanding of what they needed to do. Mm-hmm. So we'll see if there's any change. Um, and I mean, it's going to just like uh, the the finding the district two seat, this is all probably going to transpire quickly in the next several months. It really is. Uh, one final thing, something that's not really been talked about is there was a fire uh, at a down station fire four. station, station four. That's the one on, on Florence. Mm-hmm. Uh, what happened there? So uh, this happened late February. Uh, I want to I want to say February 25th, but I'm, I'm not completely sure on it. I didn't write down the exact date in my notes. But uh, late February uh, at Fire Station 4, 
Um, I guess they're saying it was likely an internal fire. Hold on, I, I have the the wording I here. I think it was an electrical fire. Yeah, they're, they're, uh, the primary preliminary investigation points to a, an electrical malfunction, but I think they described it as originating from inside an exterior wall on the second floor. Uh, no injuries, thank you know, thank goodness. Yeah. Um, but substantial damage to the building. Um, there were walls and ceiling removed, uh, water damage from sprinklers, and uh, the, the building is basically now uh, the, the inhabitable. They they can't they can't be in there. Uh, I even think the the report said that the the smell of smoke has lingered or burning uh, building material has yeah. lingered, um, which is. Uh, I, I mean, I, I walked over there at one point looking to get a picture at one point, and uh, I mean, it, it, it def- there was definitely an odor, and yeah. it seemed like they were trying to air out the air out the building. But what's what's crazy is that whole station is brand new. Oh, it's not even a year old. No, it was it was renovated as, with as, as part of the whole Measure S funding, and just opened in July, I believe. July, and so it's a brand new building. You would think with brand new electrical, something went wrong. Yeah. And I don't I don't know what it is, but it, it it's for a brand new electrical system to catch fire and almost burn down the whole fire station. That's kind of crazy. And I mean, you know, knock on wood, but it's like okay, well, this is a brand new building, not a year old. We have three other buildings that are brand new, <laughs> you know. And you got to think all those contracts are probably the same. And every so, right. is this a freak accident? Is this something we might have to worry about? Another thing too. And this is not a dig on Downey Fire because I, I believe, you know, our our first responders are some of the best in the area of Bar None. But, you know, the, the way Downey Fire works is, uh, uh, why am I, why am I thinking? There, there's that type of graph, you know, that you would use in, in school where you got the big circle here and right. the big circle there and you, you kind of cover areas. And I remember listening to how they were going to tackle that situation when they were renovating all the buildings because you would have one to two stations at the temporary one over at the uh the over by the, the landing in the, in the promenade and that would say okay well that means that response times or might be a little bit uh later like you know, a little bit longer for these areas where there's no longer coverage like i said there are no there's no personnel in the, that building right now that i'm aware of i mean i don't think so i i can't imagine that repairs are done already um, but so now I, I believe it was, uh, stations one and three that personnel have been c- kind of dispersed to, sure. which means that there's an area in Downey that might, I mean, if you need an emergency, I'm not going to say it's going to take too long. Cause again, I think we have some of the best first responders you know, in, in the, the region, but it, it does kind of put a little bit of a gap in that usual system of coverage it, it does i mean common sense tells you that you know parts of northeast downey are going to have slower response times i mean it has to because you know downey fire stations are strategically placed in you know the different quadrants of the city station fours and you know, on over florence by Doty in, in northeast downey so now if the firefighters are coming from other stations the one on paramount or or wherever it is it's going to take a little bit extra time yeah. that, that's something that should be acknowledged absolutely 
Um, so is there a timeline on how long it'll take to get the station? I didn't going? see a timeline. Uh, and trust me, I looked. Uh, I didn't see a timeline, but I do have, it's over $600,000 in repairs. Wow. Um, but it's going to be handled with uh, with an insurance claim, you know, through the city's insurer. Yeah. So before anybody is, oh my gosh, $600,000, it's not coming through general fund or anything like that. It's insurance. Will cover yeah, it's it. insurance. But I mean, it's still, that's, that's significant. It, it really is. And like you said, it'll be interesting if these were the same contractors who built the other fire stations, because that's cause for concern now. Yeah. Interesting. Hey, Alex, I want to thank you for joining us uh, on the Livewire podcast. And I'm sure you'll be back. Uh, you're, you're a great person to have here because you're, like I said, you're boosting the ground, you're talking to people, and we really appreciate getting your insight. Uh, I, uh, I like being here. Thanks for having me again. Absolutely. Thanks, to everyone. This is the Downey Livewire podcast, a podcast by the Downey Patriot newspaper. We'll see you next time.